Welcome to the Maverick Mindset Podcast, a podcast that will explore the stories of people who have chosen to take life into their own hands, in their own way, and define what success means for them. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and maybe even learn something new. My name is Romeo Santos, and I'll be your host. This is the Maverick Mindset Podcast. Let's go. What's up, Maverick Nation? Uh, super excited to bring today's guest to you. His name is Tony Acevedo, and he is a local Annapolitan. Uh, he is a transplant from New Jersey. Uh, Tony started his life in New Jersey, ended up going to the Coast Guard. He's a crazy fitness buff and has all sorts of incredible credentials throughout the fitness industry. And he is a maniac skydiver with over 600 jumps in just the last four years. Uh, Super excited about the show. You're going to hear us talk about him anywhere from jumping out of planes every weekend to flying his own plane to fighting Samoans that outweigh him by 40 pounds and living to tell the stories. So let's welcome Tony to the show. Maverick Nation, let's go. All right. Welcome, Maverick Nation. Everybody help us to give a warm Maverick welcome to Tony. Tony, thanks so much for joining the podcast, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So listen, why don't we get started? Tell us um, like your, your highlight reel, right? Who you are. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go all the way back and bring it all the way forward. And we're going to unpack a little bit along the way. All right, cool. So I'll start from the top and work my way back since you're going to unpack my um, deepest, darkest secrets. And <laughs> I'm going to habitually cry on your, your podcast. So thank you. You're welcome. Beautiful. <laughs> um, if I do cry, it would probably be the first time anybody's seen me cry in a very long time. So uh, anyway, so, yeah, thanks. Um, so anyway, so currently right now, I'm just finishing up my PhD in human performance. Um, I'm a nutritionist. I currently own two different companies. One kicked off fitness and performance, which is a fitness company. So we do generally kickboxing, boxing classes, and then the other strength and conditioning, um, as well as I own another company, part owner of another company called Performance Sports Rehab and Nutrition, which I do the nutrition aspect. My partner, Brandon Cohen, he does the rehab aspect of it. He's a, a doctor of physical therapy. Um, other than that, man, I have been in the fitness game for over 20 years. I know I look super young. That's what everybody's going to say, but yes. And then, um, man, I, I've traveled all over the world. I've worked with Olympic athletes. I've worked with, you know, NFL guys, you know, all different various types. I My, uh, my dissertation's in menopause, which... I get, I get a chuckle at that all the time. I, my thesis was on menopause. My majority of my studies are on menopause. So um, it's kind of comical in the sense of when I'm doing talks and especially in a large dynamic full of, um, you know, doctors who are generally female in that, in that range. And they see me and they're like, what is this guy doing? But, you know, uh, I like to uh, challenge myself. Let's just say that. So, um, but other than that, man, over the last years, I, you know, if we keep unwinding, you know, I've traveled the, the world a few different times. I've taught all over the world. I spent four years in the Coast Guard, which is legitimately the proudest moment of my life. And I would honestly say is what created who I am. Um, and then before that was high school and madness and dysfunction. Okay. All right. In a nutshell. Perfect. Perfect. So who was Tony as a kid? <laughs> um, man, I, I was a mess. Uh, to, be, to be honest with you, I was legitimately, and I, and I tell this to people and they, they laugh at me, but if anybody who went to high school with me will agree with this. I was probably the least likely to fail. I, I didn't have any structure. I was all over the place. I did many illegal things. I thought fighting was more important than anything else, um, which evidently made me a great boxer. But uh, other than that, man, I just didn't really care. And then at some aspect, um, my stepfather kind of set me down and gave me that 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 really hard kick in the gut and was like look either you're going to be like everybody else I grew up in New Jersey for the most part I was born in Brooklyn but pretty much grew up in New Jersey okay and he pretty much said either you're going to be like everybody else or you're going to do something with your life and that was when I was like well what's my options at the time I didn't think school was really necessary for me because I was so all over the place but I cared about money so he was like well why don't you go to the Coast Guard well luckily the Coast Guard recruiting station was in the town of Fort Dix, which was right next to us. And I was like, perfect, let's go talk to him. I think he might've came to the school one day or something like that. And shit you not, two weeks later after I graduated, I was in the Coast Guard. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, anybody who's in the military, they know what they do to you. They they take your your tough exterior and break you down and they build you up what they want you to be. So then that's exactly kind of what happened. Hmm. Okay, interesting. So. 
Um, and I've heard that from other folks that, that have experienced military and, and I, I don't have the benefit to be able to say that I was able to, although I, I do look back on life and wish that I did have the opportunity. I think it would have actually helped me a lot sooner in life, get to, you know, further places along, but talk to us a little bit about that. Like, how do they break you down? What do they do to you while you're in that, that structure? Well, ideally, you know, progressive through the weeks, they, they have a different um, scenario, like it's sense of urgency or I can't really remember. Mind you, that was over 20 something years ago. <laughs> um, ideally, what they do is they they try to take who you were because, you know, without getting too deep into me, I, I grew up without parents in a sense. So I really am a story that is a story within itself because I didn't have that cookie cutter life. Like when people see me now, they, they think I was a trust fund baby, which is kind of comical to me. But, you know, I came up in that rough area of New Jersey, you know, worst high school in New Jersey, didn't have direction, didn't have guidance, which makes you worse because you're, you're just Amos. Mm -hmm. And I have an older sister who was very similar as well. And, you know, you're going into the military where you've never really had parental guidance minus my stepdad, which God bless him because he took on, I love my mother, by the way, at the time she was dysfunctional. My sister, who's was dysfunctional myself, who was probably 10 times dysfunction. He took us on and then we go into the military and they're trying to take this guy who all he gave a shit about was punching somebody in the face uh, and didn't have any direction. And then you have to essentially get that out of me and then start putting implanting things like structure and design, order, respect, devotion to some specific duty. You start building that person in eight to 10 weeks, mm. which is it, it's crazy. And. I think that's why, you know, I, didn't, I obviously didn't realize this probably to 10 years after, you know, I got out of, out of boot camp and I look back and I'm like, oh shit, man, like, it is amazing what they do to somebody in that, in that amount of time. But you also have to be receptive to it too, right? Like sure. I went in there with an open mind and I, I simply just put my hands down and was like, look, and, sorry, are we allowed to curse? Yeah, we're not going to get too crazy, but sure. No, 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 but essentially, <laughs> well, pretty much I, I accepted the fact that I was going to be their, their B word, right? Sure. And I, I just took it on and took it with a grain of salt, whatever happened, and I conformed to that. And the reality is, is when I got out of the military, I was a man. Hmm. And I think with that, without that structure or design, I would have still been a boy trying to pretend to be a man. Hmm. So it, it really had guided you. And, you know, especially now, a lot of these entrepreneurs talk about, high school and what they don't teach you, which they don't teach you life. Sure. They don't teach you the fundamentals. 100%. And which the military prepares you for that too. So, and I think that's where a lot of, I mean, I've kind of always had that when you grow up with no money and you grow up, you know, embarrassed because you went to the food store with food stamps and mm -hmm. you never quite had anything that you ever wanted, that drived me to always try to progress in life. And that's mm -hmm. kind of where I'm at now and where I've always been. And man, I, I always say this, in life, there's two different formalities. It either breaks you or makes you. And the reality is life was breaking me because there wasn't any structure or design there. The military made me, and now it was my job from then on out because there was no more structure for me to you know, account for that. And sadly enough, like a lot of the times, not to speak for anybody else, but it, it, for a lot of guys and girls who get out of the military, they struggle because they lose that structure. And then they're like, oh shit, I have to do it for myself. So I think that's where entrepreneurship is really exciting because it really is it's either me or no one else and either i create or i make the bed or there's no such thing to lay in so yeah that's kind of that's kind of where it where it is and where the military came up but okay. yeah so i'm curious so from a mindset perspective you know you said all i cared about was punching somebody in the face you have a conversation with your stepfather you go to the coast guard and you go into the coast guard with an open receptive mind which is a massive shift from the person that you said that you were being. How do you think that happened? Like, what was it that clicked for you that said, I'm going to make this change and go in open-minded? That had to have been incredibly hard. And I'm not quite sure. You know, I, I think it was, a, it was a conformity that it took plenty of years. And I think part of that, which I accustomed to, is called maturity. Um, but at that aspect, you know, granted, I even in the Coast Guard, I still wanted to punch people in the face all the time. But it was a matter of, I still do now, but it's a matter of right. like, I control my life. Like I am very controlled. Back then I didn't have any control. I was just a maniac. But the way they do it, they, they make it to a point to where, because once you sign that dotted line and you raise your right hand, you're government property, that's it. 
And if you don't want to abide by that, you go sit in the brig, which is jail. Mm -hmm. So it just is what it is. You don't have a choice. But the way they do that, they make it to where what you thought you were is nothing what you really were. And what you are is what they want you to be. Mm -hmm. And and it kind of sounds, it's militant. Well, shit. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But that's just kind of how it went. And and at some point in time, you start realizing that. And I, 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 I legit, I'm only going to tell a story because I was like, oh, it's, no, who gives a shit? But I legitimately remember the story of when it happened. I was coming down the flight of stairs because we were stationed on the third floor. There was three levels to, in boot camp. And I remember I was coming down and Sergeant Schlemmer, who was my, my, the leader of our boot camp, I remember coming down and he, I remember him saying my name. And then he says, um, oh man, what it was like, what was the, um, man, and, man, I can't remember, but it was the formality of the Coast Guard. It was there's, there's commandments uh-huh. and you had to memorize them verbatim in order. And I remember there was one I could not remember. It was do not relieve your post until properly relieved. And I could not remember that. And the rules were all around the third flight. So he would, he would make me recite them. And if I got them wrong, I had to go up to the third flight, come back down. And it, I, I shoot you like Romeo. I, I, I remember it was easily eight to 10 hours. Everybody <laughs> was in their racks sleeping already. And I was still perpetually going up and down and I could not remember the third commandment. And I remember that was the point in time where I'm, I was, I was hysterically crying. I was miserable, but I remember that was a time where I realized that it was time for me to change and conform because I wasn't beating the system anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it went. And then after that, you know, it makes you, you know, and that's not for everybody, but you have to kind of conform to society. You have to become better and all this other jazz, but yeah, it was great. Interesting. So I hear a couple of things in there that I want to unpack, right? So like you, you found at that moment that you had to conform or maybe another word that some might resonate with people is that, is that you, you just kind of, um, uh, now I'm going to draw a blank on the words, right? But you just submit it, right? You just yeah. submit it and said, all right, I just need to submit here. But then I know you, right? And I know your life and you've got, you've got a really cool story and we're going to continue to get into that. But it doesn't appear now that your life is very much of the form of conformality. It seems like you are now choosing your path every step of the way. So isn't it interesting how you had to let yourself break down, submit, conform, discover who you were. And then when you came out, you were able to do all these things that you've done along your life. No, without a doubt. And that's why they do that, right? Because for you to be a good leader, you have to know how to follow. Mm. And even when you're on the top, you're still following something, whether you're recircling that back around or, you know, whatever, we're always going to have a boss of some formality. So there's always a projector, you know, follow. I mean, ideally, as Americans, we're following the Constitution. You know, we're following our, our chief of staff. So there's there's always some formality. But that's where that teaches you. It breaks you down and say, OK, look, you're square zero. It's time for you to learn your place and learn your role, bro. Like, you know, get in the pecking order. And then, you know, where I'm at now, I'm slowly moving up. But, I'm, you know, you're still always in a place. And the reality is, is where I'm at now at 37 years old is I'm at a level of humbleness. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes back with the word I used before, maturity. And it comes with knowing my role as well. So it, it all plays a role, man. And it all helps. Nice. You know, you, there are a couple of things when you were talking and telling us your story that made me that made me think of some quotes from a couple other people. Um, and, you know, you were talking about some people when they get out, they struggle because they don't have that. They don't have that structure anymore. And, and, and I, I was listening to a podcast recently with David Goggins and he's like, man, can't anything motivate you? You have to motivate yourself, right? Like it all starts here in the mind. And if you can't own that part of it and motivate yourself there, then you're kind of lost. And so I kind of hear that in you. And, and I see that all the time in, in business and entrepreneurs is, you know, they say they want something, but then when you see their actions, you're like, but wait a minute, man, your, your video is not matching your audio. You say you want these things, but you're not doing any of the things required to actually have them. Right. And then also there was another part where you're like, I still wanted to punch people in the face. I just had control. Right. And Jordan Peterson says that, you know, a good man is not a passive or a weak man. A good man is a dangerous man who just has control over it. A hundred percent. Right. Man. man, Now that I feel like the world has a lot of these public speakers, man, they say reality without a doubt. And, And it's not just, you know, gimmickly memes or anything that there's, there's a lot of validity to that. I, I love Tony Robbins. 
uh, Les Mills. Like I love listening to those guys and I still listen to them continuously because sometimes I need to recheck myself and kind of like you know, essentially get into my own head. But man, the, the truth is from, man, even probably the last year of high school where, you know, I really started being focused on where I wanted my career to go because I knew I didn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And I started really working hard is, you know, I get up and I'm at work by 4.30 every morning. I don't stop working until 6 or 7 p.m. Continue, and that's every single day. And when, you know, you hear the, the a lot of the guys are like, you know, somebody who's rich, and by the way, I'm not rich by any means, <laughs> but I am rich for me. Like I, can, I consider myself rich. Everybody's got their own definition, right? But they, they talk about hard work and dedication. And there's no doubt about that. Like you have to grind. And I see you grinding all the time and, you know, created this podcast. And I think that's it's super admirable. And those who want more have to go out and create their own opportunities. And when I get new trainers in, and sadly enough in the training industry, they think that it's easy money and they're going to be rich. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, insurance should never do this for the money because that's not, that's not how the industry is. Right. But the reality is I'm like, if you put enough work and you put your time and effort in, something's going to transpire from it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I'm at now. And that's how it's happened for me. So. I love that. I love that. There's a great saying that I love that Zig Ziglar says, and he says, if you do more for the things that you get paid to do, eventually you'll get paid more for the things you do. There's a thousand percent truth to that. Right. A thousand percent truth. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, great. So um, we, we get out of the Coast Guard. What comes next for you in life? Well, um, at that point, man, I, I moved around a lot. I moved to Hawaii. I fought pro for a while. I'm getting that anger and aggression out. And then uh, I remember vividly waking up one morning and was like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. So I ended up, um, I feel like, to be honest with you, I feel like that day that I woke up, I feel like I put the street and the anger and the aggression, because I was a bitter individual. And I don't know why, I mean, you know, I'm probably just bitter just because of my lifestyle, whatever, or I had to be too, because, you know, if you weren't tough, you were getting your ass kicked all the time. Mm-hmm. So I put that bitterness aside. I came back to Annapolis. Um, I almost went into Baltimore city. I, I was two days away from the Academy. I ended up pulling out and I ended up becoming um, a buddy of mine ended up getting me into the mortgage industry. And at that time, I think it was like oh man, 2006 or something like that. It was booming. And I did that bartending and I was, man, I was making hand over fist money. And then, you know, was, the industry started to fall and I was like, you know what? I packed my car up and I moved to California. Hmm. And then that's when I landed, like I was in California for three days and I landed my first job, my first like real training job as the fitness director over at uh, Gold's Gym in San Diego, Point Loma. And man, that was when I realized- Is that the Gold's Gym? Is that where all the guys trained? No, that's in Venice. Okay. Um, in Point Loma down in San Diego, it's a little bit more fancier. It was cute, very cute, okay. but it was huge. But that was when I realized like everything that was leading up to that point had to come into fruition like mm. it had to be done because i took a position where they used to have companies come in and be the training directors but now i was building a brand new platform for gold's gym because they got rid of the companies man I, I probably worked man it was easily three months and i used to commute from oceanside down to san diego which was probably about 30 35 minutes and i used to you know you uh had a motorcycle at the time and i did that for about three months without a paycheck just grinding from 5 a.m to 5 p.m continuously and I remember all of a sudden things started to transpire. And before I knew it, I was making like 80, 90 grand. Mm-hmm. Well, you put me back at, you know, 2007 making that, you know, I was like, okay, this is really, I'm, I'm starting to do all right here. And then before you know it, the guy who owned um, the boxing clubs recognized that and he was putting one in Point Loma. And then he was said, well, how about you go run my location in Carlsbad? I'll give you a piece of the pie and I'll give you a nice big paycheck. I said, oh shit. And then before you know it, it went from that to LA boxing to I ended up opening up a smoothie shop just because I ended up graduating from SDSU with my nutrition degree. And I was like, Jamba Juice is trash. I could do better than that. And I'm doing that. And, and this, is my, this is my quick story, by the way. This is my 20s in San Diego. <laughs> ended up selling that. And then I ended up traveling the world and then moving back to Maryland and opening up Kicked Up, which I've had now for eight years. But that was the point is that that would have never happened without that initial grind of me saying, okay, this is a new job. This is a new department. Three months without a paycheck of 12 hour days of getting crushed on top of an hour commute every day. And then before I knew it, you know, look, somebody recognized my hard work and they gave me my opportunity. And that's like, I tell that story, not to a lot of people, cause I, you know, 
I don't boast about stuff, but when they ask, they're like, well, how did you become who you are? You know, especially, I like to tell that story to people who think I'm a trust fund kid. Like, yeah, I'm more likely to help my parents out than my parents were ever like to help me out. But, you know, not saying anything to them because, you know, my mother has always had my back in every aspect, but it's just, you know, perpetual grind, grind, grind. But that's not always to say though, because I've had, you know, friends of mine that have been on that grind that they haven't gotten their break. Hmm. And, you know, will they ever get their break? I would obviously like to hope to say, yeah, Mm -hmm. but that's not always the case, right? Right, right. Well, I mean, I love that you share that because I think anybody listening to this podcast, they're probably listening to it because they want to continue to grow as entrepreneurs or grow mindset or whatever it might be. But there's a lot there to unpack, right? Like you went, you took a job. So you, you took a leap, right? You, you packed up, you drove across the country, California, probably found a place to live on the fly. You get this job. And, and it sounds to me like they tell you, we'll give you a shot to grow it, but you don't get, you don't get any reward until we see a result. Is, is that accurate? It was hundred percent commission based, right? So hundred so percent commission I was, based. I was, I was selling the training and I was trying to facilitate it. I'm trying to trying to hire, like, <laughs> it, it was great though. So, so you, so you go and you do all this and you're grinding, grinding, grinding with no results, but then when it finally pays off, it pays off. And then ultimately somebody else noticed you and then they came and gave you another opportunity. And I, I just want people to really hear that. Right. Cause I, especially in my industry of real estate now, or even when I was in hospitality, which I still love hospitality, it just crushes people, um, is that people come in and they almost have this entitlement, right? Like, well, I should be making money now. And it's like, well, why should you be making money now? What have you done to deserve to make money right now? Right? Like nobody owes you anything, right? You have to go out and you have to earn it. You have to prove it. You have to grind and you, then you will begin to get the results, right? But it doesn't just happen because you made the choice that you want to do this. You have to show your worth. You have to show your value. And then that, the universe rewards, right? Would you agree the universe rewards hard work and effort? Without a doubt. And it, it's very similar in, in my industry. I, two master's degree. I'm just about finishing up a PhD. I got over 300 college credits. I got 10,000 hours of mentorships and internships and you know, 21 years of experience. And I still don't get paid that much money. So like when somebody comes in, what makes you think you're going to make more than me? You know, I, I spent, I spent, you know, 20 years in the trenches trying to figure this out. So it's, it is like that, but you know, I, I think, I don't want to say times have changed because I kind of feel like as we get older, every transitional or every generation always says that times have changed and, you know, people have gotten soft or whatever the situation might be. I just think, in the world today that we live in, it has gotten expensive and we want to live certain ways, mm-hmm. especially if you grew up a certain way, you want to transition or that's all you know, right? Like if you grew up with nice cars and nice things, when you get to 22 years old, all of a sudden you got to fit your own bill. You want nice cars and nice things. You don't know what it's like. I, my first car was a, a 1980 Camaro that barely moved. So it's like, like, you know, like, you, you don't, you, you don't know any different, yeah. but yeah. It is, and, and I, whoever watches this and realizes that there is a, there is a, I'll tell you right now, without even thinking about opportunities or objections, if you don't grind or you don't put your all into it, the probability, and I'm a statistics guy because that's what all PhD guys do, the probability of you being successful is a lot less than you going all in. So like Les Mills just said, he's like, whatever you do, and man, he, I love that guy. He was talking about an opportunity like when he was, a disc jockey and he was talking about he's like whatever i do i'm doing the best if i'm cleaning something i'm doing the best possible way i can do it because my name is on that situation and i think if more people had that mentality where look this is my name i'm tony acevedo whatever i do is going to be the best of my ability because the last thing i want is somebody to come behind him like that's done like shit who did that mm-hmm. and then it's a reflection of who you are yep. and you know you're a little bit older than me. And I know if you remember the time, remember when they used to use the phrase, my word is my bond. Yep. That kind of has kind of been um, almost disappeared. But back when we were younger, like that was it. Like your word meant everything. Same of who you are. Like we kind of, I think that's where our transitional aspect has kind of dissipated a little bit. It's because we've lost that. We've lost like that persona, that identity of where if you do something, if you do something neglectful like that deteriorates you 
nowadays, like if you do something bad, you get a bad review online, but. Yeah. Well, and it's just a news cycle, right? You know, 48 hours and it's gone. Yeah. Whereas before, yeah, for sure. I agree. I agree a hundred percent. It's funny that you say that Les Miles would say that, that everything he does. Cause um, I would always tell people, this is more so when I was in hospitality, <clears throat> but I would tell people, listen, if you are a crappy server, a crappy bartender, crappy bus boy, crappy line cook, and you tell me that, well, it doesn't matter because this is not my real job. I'm going to college to be a doctor. Guess what? You're establishing your work ethic now, and you're going to be a crappy doctor too. 100%. Because that's probably the best thing you've ever said. And that was that's a one hell of an analogy because, man, that makes so much sense. Because in the reality is, like, look, even me as a business, I still clean toilets. I still, like, I'm still grinding. If you're a doctor, you still got to do that same stuff too. You're not just going to step over it. Like, you still have to have that ability to be mm -hmm. humble enough to say, like, this is what I need to do because it's still part of my job. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely good. Yeah, and a leader, I mean, I, I believe as a leader, you know, there certainly becomes a point where if your business is large enough that you're probably not, you know, doing everything and you have, you have leverage and you have people that are doing things yet, I don't think that any leader can truly be successful if they are unwilling to do anything that they're asking others to do. I agree with that. And I also, a full disclosure, I'm the shittiest manager ever because of that. And my problem, and it's always been my problem is I'd rather do it myself just because I know it's getting done sufficiently and it's getting done at that moment because I'm impatient as hell about everything in life. So like I am a, just a terrible delegator. And it's not because I don't trust people. It has nothing to do with that. It's just a matter of like, look, something needs to get done. Let's just get it done now. And shit, mm -hmm. why don't I just do it? Yeah, there's an urgency inside of you, it sounds like. And I, I have that same struggle. You're right. It's hard. Sometimes you get frustrated and you just do things. That is like a constant learning thing to do. So entrepreneurs out there, most of you are probably the same way. That's why you're an entrepreneur, because you have a sense of urgency and you want to do something that you're not seeing out there. You're solving a problem, whatever it might be. So that's pretty normal. And I think that that that's one of the things that I have a coach, right? And so my coach, that's one of the biggest things is like, you've hired these people, you have to give them the role, tell them how you want it, and then give them the opportunity to do it, right? Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Yeah. All right. So you, you fought professionally. Tell us a little bit about that. I'd love to hear that story because I've never had that story told. No, oh, it was good, man. I moved to Hawaii and I moved there because there was a lot of talk um, when I was younger and in the boxing game and that Hawaiians were the hardest people to knock out. Mm. And at the time I was such an egomaniac that if I'm going to be tested, why don't I go to the best? Right. And shit you not, man, I landed there on a Wednesday. My first fight was out Friday. It was like, I think it was like 182 pounds. And I fought, his name was Puma. And I remember this guy, cause him and I hung out, we became best friends thereafter. He was like 220 pounds, this big Samoan dude. And I remember him hitting me in the stomach in the first round. And I, it was the most miserable <laughs> punch I've ever received in my life. But then, you know, who I was is I, I turned into a street fighter. I went to the center of the ring and I banged him out for three rounds. I ended up losing to a decision because he was definitely a, a way better boxer. I mean, he was beyond bigger than me too. But it was, um, it was great because I earned the respect. And if you know anything about Islanders and the way their culture is, is – you have to earn respect to them, especially if you're a Holly, if you come from the United States. Mm -hmm. So it was amazing, man. After that, you know, every time I went out to the bars, I was always integrated. I, I got, you know, a security job and, you know, I had plenty of other fights thereafter, which were amazing. I, I didn't lose any time after that because I made sure I fought somebody my own weight. But there was a, there was a lot of truth to that, man. Samoans, boy, they don't, uh, you know, Samoans or Hawaiians, the same thing. Yeah, they yeah. don't, um, they don't move. Yeah. Literally a big bag of bricks, man. It's <laughs> okay. That was All really right. it, man. You know, I, I only had, you know, six fights. It was, it, it was good. It was, you know, pretty short career and I did it for the money. And at that time, MMA was becoming a real big thing. And, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a chess guy. I'm not a checkers guy. So I, I really enjoyed boxing for that aspect. You know, I like to think I like the, 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 you know, the, the real, like, the movement aspect of it where MMA is, you know, at the time now it's really methodical, but back then MMA was like brutal. Oh, you wrestled. Cool. Get in the ring. Like you didn't, yeah, you know, yeah. there was no, there was nothing to it. But yeah. Okay. And then uh, I, you, you know, you also, you've trained us boxers, right? Mm -hmm. How did you I get trained. into doing that? Was that more on the strength or was that a boxing coach thing? 
I'm, I, you know, to be honest, it was a little bit of everything. I mean, I was definitely more educated on the strength and conditioning side of things, but uh, the boxing side, I stood in where it needed to be. But when I took that job at the boxing club, man, there was some super high level coaches for boxing. Abel mm-hmm. um, is another guy too, that, that didn't need me on that aspect. I more or less just went in there and had fun and boxed with them, but you know, definitely the strength and conditioning side was probably more prevalent. Okay. Now tell us a little bit, uh, where did Maryland fit in? Cause now if we've heard Maryland twice. So you came to Annapolis, then you left and then you came back to Maryland. Oh yeah. Where, well, I got stationed here. Okay. So you were stationed at the Coast Guard location yeah, here. Right there okay. uh, and down on Thomas Point Light. Got it. So that's, that's where Maryland came about. I spent, I think I was stationed here for like two years or something like that. Okay. And then I got out here in Maryland and then, you know, you, you kind of go back to where you're comfortable, right? Yeah and let me back here and even if I wanted to leave I'm still here like I don't understand <laughs> okay so you're back in Maryland and at that point is when you open up kicked up fitness yeah okay eight and how many ago. years ago is that now 10 years eight years ago so 2013 okay 2013 you opened kicked up fitness walk us through that journey how you decided to open your own business the steps you took to do that and like how you found the location. Talk us, talk to us, to us through that. Um, you know, I, I had this concept because, you know, I've spent, I spent my like, what, six to eight years, you know, watching other people own gyms and how they did things. And I learned a ton, mm-hmm. but then evidently as you grow as a human, you take a little bit from everybody that you learn and then you start conforming your own thoughts. And that's exactly what I did. And that's where the concept came for kicked up. Wow. Well, I was like, wow, kickboxing gyms are awesome, but I want to do it like this. And I want to add strength and conditioning and blah, blah, blah. And then, I, man, I think I just got lucky the right place at the right time, found this location. I was like, holy shit, it's perfect. It, it makes sense. It used to be a karate studio that was here for 20 years. So already had a really good reputation. And uh, my landlord was cool shit. And man, I, I didn't have much money, but I remember I was grinding. I talked to a bunch of people. I borrowed money. I just, I did whatever it took, but I knew at the time that if it didn't work after about the first month or two, it was over because I didn't have any more money. So I barely, you know, pinched the pennies together. And luckily I got a couple significant mothers in Annapolis that just transpired and it grew organically. I never did marketing. Hmm. It just was straight organic. And for me though, the, the way it grew and this is kind of like COVID really killed everything. So I kind of have to get back to these roots. I went through this town 50 times. I was shaking hands left and right. I was building relationships. And then before you knew it, after the you know first six months I was here, they knew who Tony was. They knew who kicked up was because I was out there grinding on the streets. And that was, you know, you know what they used to call guerrilla marketing back then. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Listen up, everybody. You, you actually have to get belly to belly with, with people sometimes. I, I, to this day, looking at everything I've ever done, without a doubt, by far, that is your best bang for your buck. One, it puts it puts the business in your own hands. And two, like, yeah, like ad spends and all this other jazz, like, you know, website, but like that really helps. You got to have a platform. But for me to go shake your hand and for you to know about me and I know about you, that holds volume. Mm-hmm. You clicking on an ad doesn't hold volume. You, you feel no rights to me. And I... I Dude, when people cancel from the gym, they feel bad because they feel that connection between like, we're actually like we, there's a connection. (laughs) And I think that's something that definitely is missing now is we're we're missing that connection and COVID man, that, that, that pulled that gap further than it's ever been. So it's really funny. Yeah. And I think it's really funny you say that because, uh, you know, COVID, I haven't been able to get to the gym. I'm a member of your gym in six months. And I am still religiously paying my membership fee each month. <laughs> right. So I, I, I think you're right. I think that there, there certainly is that element that, you know, especially early on, you, you've got to build the brand of you, right? Like you have to share with people who you are, what's important to you, what type of person that you are. And through that, you're able to develop these connections that I think, you know, it's like I tell people on my team all the time is, you know, you need to make sure that you almost not that you intentionally make people feel guilty, but that you develop such a relationship with them that if they choose to do business with somebody else, that they do have at least a little feeling of guilt around it. hundred percent. Yeah. I was thinking about that while you were talking, like, especially in your industry, like your industry, it, it, you break bread. Like that's how you build relationships. That's how you build a relationship from the stand of time. From what we know about from the stand of time is what did you do? 
you grabbed a drink and you had and you had a meal. Like that's mm-hmm. that's that's just what it is. And it shouldn't go away. It should never go away. So if you're building a business, whatever it might be, I, I don't care whatever you're selling or not selling, like that's extremely important. And it forever will be. Like, you know, and it will so like think about the the um the saying, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Yep. That will never not be a thing. A hundred percent. There's, there's, there's one to follow up with that, that I think is incredible as well as that people, people don't care how much, you know, until they, until they know how much you care. Yeah, that's deep. That's great. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that go out there and they just try to verbal diarrhea, all their knowledge on people, but they're doing it in a disingenuous fashion and, and, and things don't work out and they don't understand why. And it goes, well, because people can read that, right. People know what, what genuine is and what genuine is not. And, and if you're not being genuine, it's going to speak volumes. And I think more and more and more now, like that's really what people are looking for, right? People right now are really looking for people that are being honest and true and genuine with who they are. I think that these types of conversations and these types of podcasts are picking up more steam and more, you know, interest because people are very much into like, I want to know the person like, great, you did these things. That's cool. We can listen to all sorts of things about that. But I want to actually know the person like I want to understand who they are. And, and I think that's that's the attraction, right? Like people are very interested in other people's stories, especially since we're so disconnected. Even now, I mean, with COVID, like I tell my wife jokingly all the time when I talk to my friends, I'm like, I tell them all the time, I can't wait to come hug you. <laughs> you know, I just want to hug you. I want to shake your hand, give you a hug, give you a big bear hug and pick you up. Right. Or if I can pick you up. Right. Because that, that's missed. Right. Like you miss that human connection with people. And I think that COVID, if anything, is helping to strengthen that in our minds that like the human connection is really, really important. I think it's going to change life in a lot of ways where you'll have digital meetings and you can be more efficient. Yet people, I think, are going to cherish those bread breaking times even more than they did before. 100 percent. Tell us about your gym. You said that it's a bit of a hybrid. I know all about it, but I think it'd be great for people to to know about it. I think it's an amazing concept. Yeah. Essentially what it, what it is, is it it takes the two, the two main important aspects of fitness, right? Your cardiovascular aspect of it, and then your muscle development or strength and conditioning aspect of it. So the cardiovascular aspect boxing, if you've ever boxed before, there's nothing like it. You you can never replicate it. Like it just, (laughs) Total For anybody who goes in there and, and throws the gloves on and, you know, if you've ever been in a fight, how long do fights last on the street? Maybe 20 or 30 seconds. And then right. they're like, <laughs> but that's just, that's just reality because it's so hard. It requires so much oxygen. Um, so we do that aspect. And, and the good thing about our gym, as opposed to other gyms and the way I created the class structure is it's always different. You know, and every instructor has their own jazz. They have their own style, which is good and bad for some because some you like, some you don't. This is what it is, right? You kind of have to pick and choose. But the other aspect of it, we do a ton of personal training. You know, it's not a huge weight room. It's only 2,000 square feet. But it's our atmosphere here is very family-oriented. It, it is a – it's like a cheers. Everybody knows everybody, which is great. And, you know, it's not for everybody. And that's the good thing about the fitness world. There is a little bit for everybody out there. But if you're the type of person that, you know, you actually want to go out and talk to somebody else or meet somebody new or, you know – all my trainers, even myself, we always give advice. We're never like, oh, you got to sign up for a session. Like, it's super laid back. And even I just had a guy come in today, and he signed up, him and his wife. They just moved out of town. And he goes, why was this so easy? I was like, why would it be so hard? Like, if you go to a big box gym, if you want to get out of that contract, you got to give up your firstborn child. you got to give them a blood sample. Like, it's just ridiculous. I just don't understand why it has to be so complicated. Why does, that, why does anything have to be so complicated? I don't know. Well, I'll tell you what I love about the gym is I really love the, um, the amount of, of, of intensity that you can cram into a 45 minute session, you know, and, and it's really funny. I I, I've recently through COVID man, I've, I've put on, I'm like 212 pounds. Like I should not be more than 195 pounds, right? Like I'm packing it on and I have a gym downstairs, you know, I've built the gym, right? We've done all this stuff. We have the Peloton bike. I think we have the tread coming as well, right? Like we have all this craziness yet. I'm not in any way, shape or form exerting myself in the way that I would if I was actually at the gym in the environment with all those people around that are pushing the workouts that you get in that environment, I think are just 
ultimately the best workouts that I've ever had. And, and you're right. Like anybody that's listening, if you're local and you want to join a, a gym, definitely need to check out kicked up fitness, like the boxing classes. I've, I've done some of those others. So you mentioned LA fit LA boxing. And, and when I lived in Rockville, they put one there and I joined, I joined there for a little bit and, and I really didn't, didn't like them too much. But when we go to your classes, like they're awesome, right? Cause you're doing burpees and you're doing sit-ups and then you're, you know, doing squats and you're hitting the bag and you're kicking the bag. And you can tell that, that the instructors are really trying to make sure that you're not just focusing on your right oblique with your right hook, but they're also bringing in the left. So you're hitting both sides. So it's really balanced. I, I think that, I think that what you're doing and what you've been striving to do is really great, but I think you missed a couple other pieces. Cause look at all the stuff behind you. You do also offer some additional services that I think are really helpful for folks. Tell us about those. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously I do nutrition and then, you know, Brandon does the physical therapy and then we have Brenna who does, um, she's a licensed massage therapist. So we definitely, you know, we definitely bring, and this is where me being a leader set that platform, right? Like education is primary. And then after that, then you have to give a shit, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. So my interviews with, with trainers is it's more of a conversation in the sense of like, okay, cool. I see your resume. That's cute. That's great. But now who you are as a person, like, you do this industry because you actually care about somebody. You cannot do this because, you know, like I already said, you can't do it for money. Um, but another aspect of the gym, you know, our slogan is never given, only earned. And I've lived by that since day, day one of my life. And that is the reality. So sometimes I get the, I, people would say like, oh, I'm super intimidated of your gym because everybody's in shape. I'm like, no, they're not. I said, but I will tell you one thing about my gym. When you walk through my door, I expect your best effort, whatever that might be. But I, I'm like that about everybody every single day. Don't waste a day. Like you're not like, and this is what's crazy about me and the way I think in my life is I've seen a ton of death. I know me getting in my truck today and driving to my apartment is not guaranteed. Okay. I know that. And I live for that. I don't, you know, I'm very, I'm good with my money, but at the same time, I, I live for that. Same thing with everything else. Like if you're going to walk through the gym doors, don't come here and half-ass to stay. Give me everything you got, whatever that might be in your book, in your definition, give me what you got because that's what I want. And that's the culture of the gym. And that's why you'll see chalk going through the air. You'll see sweat flying. And now people freaking out because of COVID and there's all that sweat and all this stuff. Don't worry. It's not contagious. We're good. Like, but that's like, that's the culture of the gym. It's like you come through the doors, you go as hard as you possibly can, and then you go home. And that's, and that's what we're about. And I, I don't know how it cannot not be like that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. All right. Now, now we're missing something that I know personally about you that we haven't mentioned that I think that you should share. Cause I I'm really actually interested to learn like how you got so into this. Tell us about all this craziness. You jumping out of a plane all the time. Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah. That's my favorite. I'm actually going to Florida next week. Cause I can't take, I can't take it. It's too cold here. Um, yeah. So um, Dana bought me, I've always wanted to do it and I, I was just never financially able to do it. So, you know, as a, um, I think it was a honeymoon gift or something, wedding gift or something, she ended up buying me a course to learn how to skydive. So I ended up doing that. That was like, man, maybe four years ago now. And I probably go every weekend. I got 600 skydives. I have a plane. I, I love to fly. I'm a, I'm a private pilot. And, and I, and it's, it's, it's funny because I always, the people who know me that like all my fighting days and, you know, they always said that every time I would fight, I was always smile. And it was a weird thing because to me, the adrenaline was like, I honed it. It was a weird thing. Like I enjoy that kind of stuff. So the same thing with skydiving, like it's such a high adrenaline rush. And to me, it's almost like therapy. Like I had to find that, like, okay, I can't go punch someone in the face anymore because I'm an adult and I have shit to lose. Like I, that's obvious. Right. So I have to find some alternative and that's, that's my alternative. And, you know, I, I try to go once a weekend if possible. That's incredible. Once a weekend. So, you know, I love that you say that, right? Because would you agree that being an entrepreneur is high stress? A thousand percent. And that there are a couple of ways that you can get your release that I think is an absolute, you have to have a release. And one of it is through physical exertion. And the other one would be through, some sort of a, a, a chemical use or alcohol. Yeah. Right. And then one of those is healthy and the other one is not right. hundred percent. And I'll tell you what, like I meditate. Do you meditate? Do you have a morning routine? I know that you're up yeah. early. 
I've, I've tried, I've tried my hardest, but no, I don't. Okay. Fair enough. So meditation is, is certainly challenging. It's a work in progress for me. I'm not like, you know, a Zen master by any means. And, and yet I do meditate each day yet. The only time, and I've been paying more and more attention to this, the only time that I can hundred percent quiet my mind, hundred percent, because my mind's going a mile a minute. I have 8 million ideas every, every 30 seconds. Right. Mm -hmm. The only time I can quiet my mind, my neighbor and I, we started mountain biking at like four o'clock in the morning in the dark with high power lights. And it's crazy you're like effort because you're up and down and it's dark and you got to be focused an hour to an hour and a half. I don't think about anything. I just I love that. That's my like, that's my like, I get back. I'm totally out of breath. I feel like I want to throw up, but I feel incredible. Like I feel so energized. And those are the best days that I have when I experience those. And Dude, I, I love, I love the fact that you found that because I push that. I don't push skydiving on anybody, maybe a little bit. But I, I try to tell people all the time, like, you have to find that balance. Because under, as an entrepreneur, like, man, and I hate to talk about it, but this last year has just been miserable, right? But you have to find where where you can actually release. Like, of course, you know, you can lift weights and all that stuff, and it's extremely helpful. So I you always have to have exercise somewhere in your routine. Mm -hmm. The number one prescribed thing in this world is called exercise. I don't care what fashion you do. I don't care if you do bar or you walk. It doesn't matter. You have to do something, right? But it's also extremely beneficial to do stuff like that. And, you know, if you're not a Zen person or if you can't really take it down, and I'm just that guy because I think about 6,000 other things that I should be doing as opposed to that, you have to find alternatives and it can be anything, man. I love the fact that you found that, man. That's good for you. Yeah, that, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a little bit too cold lately. So that's been a little bit miserable to, to get out there and then snow and rain and yada, 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 you know, not to sound like I'm complaining, but yes, that that's fine. And so it just, it just made me think of it when you were like, that's skydiving. That's your, that's your release. And I, I can't imagine. I mean, when I was younger, I definitely wanted to skydive. And I know you're probably going to tell me that I'm totally wrong, although I do have a wife, so she's going to say it doesn't matter if, if, if I'm wrong. But now that I have two daughters, it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to jump out of a plane, right? Well, no, you're not wrong because you have to mitigate risk, right? Yeah. Like it, it, it is a thing. And I, I think I don't remember if I mentioned, you might've said something, we might've even been in Barcelona. You might've said something and Sarah was like, oh, hell no. Maybe I, if I remember correctly, but um. It was Barcelona. There was the That's right. So I, don't, I, I almost forgot that we. So everybody listening. So we we were with our significant others in Spain in Barcelona at the same time. And Sarah and I were on our randomly. We didn't plan that. Yeah, randomly, and we and we got to go to this incredible market. What was it called the Mercado? Yeah. Right. And we went oh, to a man, flamenco we show. Oh, oh, that yeah. was awesome, oh, right? Really good time. Yeah. 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 We definitely drank too much that night. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So you know. Definitely, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, find find something that's going to balance you out, whatever that might be. It, it will help in so many aspects of life, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. So, listen, Tony, what what are you doing? What are you um, what are you trying to promote? Is there anything you're trying to get off the ground that we can utilize this platform to help get the word out? Nothing. Um, nothing in particular besides the fact that you know, obviously, I'm trying to rebuild the gym. We took a huge hit um, because you know. Of course, everybody was afraid of the gyms. And sadly mm -hmm. enough, without education, the gym got demonized mm -hmm. for no apparent reason whatsoever. There was no literature backing that. So ideally, if I was going, going to promote anything, and now that finally the WHO, the World Health, uh, Health Organization, finally backed up, I was like, oh, yeah, if you're healthy, you have a stronger immunity, you know, you're less receptive to COVID. I got COVID, never even known it. Um, mm -hmm. I just got vaccinated as well. I actually... The second vaccination kicked my butt, but I keep hearing that health will out trump anything in life. And that goes for everything. Right. So if you're afraid of the gym, I, I, I cannot stress enough that you should not be. And like Romeo said, there's nothing like atmosphere. It will push you beyond your limits. And now with all these home videos and Peloton and great, they're cute, but there's nothing like I, I tell you right now, if you stand next to me, I'm going to outwork you. And then if you outwork me, I'm going to make sure I outwork you again. You know what I mean? And that, that's a level of competition that's really great for people. And it's a part of life. Like, you know, I don't want to go too much into the whole kid trophy thing, but it's a really good aspect. And I, and other than that, you know, performance is, is growing rapidly. So luckily for me, the gym kind of took a huge, not kind of, it took a huge hit. I mean, 60% loss over the last wow. year. Yeah. Huge. But 
the nutritional aspect, you know, once people started realizing they're like, oh man, I just put on the COVID-15 and I'm unhealthy. That aspect has really picked up for me, which has been really good because it subsidizes and balances things out. So if anything, uh, I would probably say come to the gym. And if you need help eating, whatever your habits are, um, nutrition, and I'm not a meal plan. I, I do write meal plans, but I'm more of a diagnostic nutritionist. My primary background is nutritional biochemistry. So I look at the whole picture of somebody. I'm not just like, oh, you should just eat healthy, bro. That's easy, right? You could Google that. That's fine. Okay. Awesome. Great. Well, listen, Tony, um, I think this has been an awesome show. I love the fact that I finally got to dig in a little bit more into who, who you were. Obviously, we've known each other for quite some time, but you know, you're know, you at the gym. This is not necessarily the conversation that you're going to have, right? So yeah. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing everything about your life with us. I think it's been a great story, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. And uh, can't wait to actually see you face-to-face in the gym again, man. Yeah, dude. Let's get here. Awesome. All right. Well, everybody, Maverick Nation, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Um, Tony, where can people reach you if they want to reach you? Yeah, they can. Um, uh, my Instagram is Tony underscore performance SRN. Okay. So that's Tony underscore P-R-O-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-S-R-N. And then um, Facebook, which I don't really do much with Facebook anymore. I mean, it kind of just all integrates into um Instagram, but I think I'm uh, Anthony Tony Ace on Facebook. Okay, awesome. So Very I, good. I, I push a ton of literature out. I'm always supplying something because I'm always, you know, with my dissertation and, you know, writing a book as well, I, I come up so much. So if you're a woman, you probably should definitely like my page because there's something that you're going to learn without a doubt. And if you're a man, you can still like my page anyway. There's no <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Awesome. Well, Maverick Nation, this has been the Maverick Mindset Podcast with Romeo Santos and Tony Acevedo. Thank you so much, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, guys. All right, brother. <laughs>